Good morning. Hi, this is Tim Arcuri. I'm the semiconductor analyst here at UBS. Um, and we are very happy to, in our next session, to have, uh, you know, to have NVIDIA. And with NVIDIA, very happy to have Colette Kress, who is the CFO. Uh, you know, hoping we can be back in New York next year. There's nothing better than New York during the holidays. So uh, in more, you know, normal times anyway. So thank you, Colette. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tim, for putting this together. And I guess first I wanted to turn it over to Simona. She's going to read a statement, and then I'll start asking some uh, questions. As a reminder, this presentation contains forward-looking statements, and investors are advised to read our reports filed with the SEC for information related to risks and uncertainties facing our business. Thank you, Simona. Thanks. Um, so uh, first I wanted to ask some earnings follow-ups, Colette. I guess the first one I wanted to zero in on was gaming, and obviously you had a very strong quarter, up 37%, uh, you know, Q1Q and also year-over-year, you know, far better than even a you know normal seasonal up you know mid to high 20s with your new um, you know product launches. But it sounds like it could have been even better as you left some revenue on the table due to some you know due to some supply constraints. Can you talk a little more about this? Is this primarily wafer supply, and do you think that you will have filled the channel to where you see actual demand levels by the end of fiscal Q4, or will this take into fiscal Q1? Thanks. Yes, Tim, thanks so much for the question. Uh, so first, let me start off for the audience and um, help them understand what we launched within our Q3 uh, time period. This was an opportunity for uh, us to launch our Ampere Architecture, our RTX 30 series uh, that we launched for the overall gaming community. The RTX 30 series launched with overwhelming demand. Uh, the gaming uh, reached record levels uh, across our desktop, our laptops, and our consoles. Ray tracing has essentially become the new standards for the games, and we're seeing big blockbusters uh, come to the market this season to support RTX, including Fortnite, Cyberpunk, uh, Call of Duty, Watch Dogs, uh, so some really great games coming up this season. We are also in a major uh, start of an upgrade cycle for our already 200 million plus installed base of overall gamers. Uh, gaming has, you know, has gone beyond gamers as we see gaming as a sport, gaming as an art, game for social as also for overall broadcasting as a professional. It's an important time as gaming as an entertainment sport continues to be solidified. Now, as we prepare for this holiday season, we also just announced our newest offering from our RTX 30 series. We announced the RTX 3060 Ti, uh, just priced under $400. This RTX 3060 Ti is, again, faster than the previous generations. Um, RTX uh, 2080 Super, and also, which also had a higher price at that time. Uh, so keep in mind, this adds to our already shipping 3090s, 3080s, and 3070s. But yes, within the quarter, uh, we did have overwhelming demand, and therefore, uh, we do have some supply challenges. Our overall supply continues to be worked each and every day uh, throughout this quarter, um, and we hope uh, to see improvements as we move forward. But we do expect it to take a couple months for us to stabilize uh, the overall supply versus the 
demand. Now, what we're seeing in terms of uh, supply, some of it can be associated with the overall wafers, but we also have a global surge of compute worldwide. And so what this has driven is um, challenges in terms of substrates as well as different components. So again, we feel confident in terms of our guidance for the quarter. Uh, we will continue to work on supply through the quarter um, uh, during this great time of the demand that we see right now for our gaming GPUs. Thanks a lot for that, Colette. Um, I guess the next question would be, how do you think about the impact that this has on fiscal Q1? Uh, you have a couple cross currents. You have the channel fill, which is going to, you know, start to help, or you know, that that will that will help you in um, you know, fiscal Q1. But you also are comping against a 14-week quarter in fiscal Q4. Typically, fiscal Q1 is down somewhere eight to 10% seasonally. Uh, but is it sort of right to probably think about something better than that? Uh, because of the you know channel fill, um, or do you think that the extra week will sort of more than offset the fact, or the you know loss of that extra week will sort of you know more than offset the fact that you have to fill the channel? Thanks. Uh, yeah. So right now, uh, our channel inventory is low um, as it relates to our overall GPUs for uh, gaming out there. Uh, we're still in that very early part of uh, ramping our RTX 30 series, and that will uh, continue um, as we move forward. Now, keep in mind, we only provide an outlook one quarter at a time, and that is correct. Typically, our business is seasonally uh, weaker in Q1. Uh, but additionally, in Q1, um, we will have a 13-week quarter versus a 14-week quarter in Q4. But we do expect the RTX 30 series for the both desktop, um, our growth in terms of notebook, workstation, and cloud gaming to ramp uh, to extend well into Q1. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then I wanted to ask you about gross margin. Uh, it was very strong last quarter, and the guidance is quite strong too. And it sort of implies um, somewhere in the low 60%, it seems like, for gaming. And that's kind of back to crypto you know, levels. Uh, and I guess the question that I keep getting is, is this sustainable or is this sort of maybe a bit, uh, you know, in, in, inflated to some degree that, you know, gaming margins because you've really, you know, begun shipping into the high end of the stack with these new products. So as you ship these, you know, lower price products that the gaming gross margins come back down into that high 50s. Can you, um, you know, talk about that? Sure. Let me, let me start with, it is correct that mix is likely our largest driver that we have that influences our uh, gross margin. Uh, this can be a mix uh, both within the market platform, or this can be a mix overall at the overall company level. As we move from Q2 to Q3 for what we had announced in terms of gross margin, you will see that our gaming uh, had quite a strong sequential increase and thus um, influenced our overall gross margins. Our Q3 gross margins uh, for uh, overall gaming uh, were up uh, year over year, and we will continue to be ramping the RTX 30 series um, and looking uh, to improve our gross margins as we go forward. Uh, but what we see um, uh, going into Q3 to Q4, we have also um, announced that we do expect uh, to have an increase in gaming revenue between Q3 and Q4. So gaming uh, will be uh, a meaningful percentage of our overall revenue as a whole. So we'll continue to look um, at 
what we are overall driving into the market with our RTX cards, uh, but uh, we have given overall guidance for our gross margin, and we'll continue to look at MEX uh, to see how it plays out on the gross margin. Got it. Okay. Um, and then in data center, um, you know, I, I got some investors looking at the up mid single digits, uh, you know, X to Mellanox decline due to, you know, due to that Chinese customer. And they're sort of looking at, you know, up mid singles and saying, well, this is the third straight quarter of up mid single digits, which is, you know, pretty good, but shouldn't it be better given the launch of Ampere and the A and the, you know, A100 ramp? So I guess, you know, from my perspective, I kind of look at the guidance and it's still, you know, quite a bit better than your peers, but can you sort of tackle that question or concern that, you know, investors have that, hey, you know, maybe guidance could be even better given that you're ramping up here? Uh, when we look at our computing products in the data center, that's correct. We expect them to grow mid-single digits as we move into the fourth quarter. Um, as that uh, in AI adoption, uh, the overall ramping of uh, A100 definitely continues. Uh, hyperscale business remains strong, and we expect um, hyperscales to grow quarter over quarter, um, particularly in the overall compute products as that A100 continues to ramp. We will uh, see uh, great momentum in inference. Uh, we have both the A100 and the T4 for our overall inferencing. Uh, but correct, our overall networking line um, uh, will decline uh, meaningful quarter over quarter as that sales to that China OEM in Q3 will not recur in Q4. However, we still expect networking to be up more than 30% year over year. So a little bit of the timing shift um, as we move from uh, Q4 to Q3, but overall H2 is quite strong. So stepping back, we are still in that early ramp of our Ampere architecture for data center, a overall architecture that we believe will be with us uh, for several years. And we also know that AI and accelerated computing is in the tops of minds of both hyperscales and to enterprises during this period of time. We are well positioned. We have a tremendous portfolio of platforms, systems, and software uh, to serve this market. Uh, so we're very pleased with the progress we have so far and the continuation that we see going forward. Thanks for that. Um, I, I guess maybe to that point, could it be a little different this time in terms of a little more elongated ramp for um, you know, Ampere because the cloud still has to support these V100 instances. So you get sort of a rapid shift over to, you know, uh, um, Ampere for hyperscalers, but the installed base sort of holds you back a little bit or makes your growth for Ampere a little more radical than it was for Volta. Is that, is that a fair sort of, you know, way to think about this cycle versus the, um, you know, Volta cycle? When you think about our A100 platform, uh, it is a monumental leap in terms of performance over the prior overall architecture. Um, an ability to really tackle some of the hardest problems that are now in front of us for overall AI workloads um, and acceleration. Um, over the last couple of years, the emergence of conversational AI and recommenders have really broadened and expanded the overall sizes of the training uh, workload, um, but also just the overall training models have continued uh, to advance over this period of time. So A100 is a an important solution, both for hyperscales 
um, availability in terms of the cloud so that researchers as well as enterprises and verticals can get access to that A100. The A100 is also quite uniquely positioned because it is an overall platform and system that enables training and inferencing within the same platform, uh, speeding up the overall deployment and the overall choice that hyperscales and clouds uh, and enterprises have to choose when determining uh, what platform to use uh, for their overall workloads. Now, Volta, absolutely is still within the cloud and very, very important uh, for the overall training workloads that they've already created, um, and uh, it will continue. Uh, but keep in mind, the expanding and growing overall AI, uh, the complexity, uh, the amounts of different industries and use cases, uh, you will still see an important piece of using A100, installing A100 into those cloud instances as well. We saw a great uptick very fast of cloud instances across our major overall hyperscales. That speed of adoption was really about our unique platform and system that we put that enabled them to create these cloud instances quite fast. So we're um, excited um, about the ramp so far. And um, again, we'll, we'll see this move forward as in the next couple quarters as well. Thanks a lot, Colette. Thanks. Um, so maybe just moving past, you know, earnings now a little bit and, you know, looking at a little bit bigger uh, picture here. So with Bitcoin where it's at, I am getting some questions about whether there's any opportunity or benefit, um, you know, for you there with these new cards. I know that a, you know, a lot of the mining has shifted over to ASICs and it's hard for you to really know how much of these cards are being used for mining. But how can you, how, you know, how do you think about that? You've gotten much, I think, smarter about the demand side for Bitcoin, I think. But how do you, how do you see, uh, you know, whether or not any cards are being used for Bitcoin and what impact that that might be having on, you know, demand for these new cards? Sure. Thanks for the question. So Bitcoin mining, remember, is done almost entirely with ASICs, okay? Uh, we understand that miners are interested in using GPUs for mining other currencies such as Ethereum. Recently, we had heard rumors from our channel partners about the increasing interest. There are a lot of factors that influence mining interest, so we're looking into this uh, with our overall channel partners. I wanna make sure um, that we understand we've spent some uh, quality time in terms of getting a better understanding of our overall supply uh, within the channel and continuing to uh, work many angles to have a good understanding of the volumes and where those volumes are um, in the world. Still not a perfect um, overall process, uh, but we continue, you're right, to get better and better. But it doesn't necessarily help us uh, understand the use of the overall cards that are in the overall market. So given Given your discussion with those channel partners, Colette, do you think, just from you know hearing them, do you think that there is any you know component of demand right now being driven by crypto? Again, right now um, we're just hearing overall rumors um, about that increased um, uh, interest. Uh, we need to look into this uh, with our overall channel partners at this time. Got it. Okay, got it. Um, maybe moving on now to data center. Um, 
if we move beyond the near term, sort of how does your planning team think about the growth rate for the business? Um, you know, just uh, over the past three years, you know, you, you grew 50% in fiscal 19. That was, you know, obviously calendar 18. Then you didn't grow in fiscal 20, and you're back to growing about 60% this year. You know, um, I guess Wall Street would look at that and say, okay, well, it's maybe a, you know, 30% normalized CAGR business. You know, of course, at some point you sort of hit the law of large numbers, but, um, uh, but you still have a ton of, you know, headroom to, you know, grow there. So how do you, how do you think about what the right long-term CAGR is of that business because it's been sort of all over the map the last three years? Thanks. Yeah, so our overall data center business right now is firing on all cylinders, um, uh, both with the overall A100 ramp. Um, uh, our inferencing is also in uh, full throttle. And the overall Melodox growth has uh, been um, great to see both before the overall acquisition and the continuation after we um, acquired them. Uh, we expect the overall a100 uh, to gain further adoption. It has great overall cloud adoption at this time uh, with areas such as GCP, overall Azure, and will likely expand into other vertical industries, um, particularly with what we um, released within this last quarter with DGX and our server OEMs. Now, we're well positioned for the future within data center. Our full stack of end-to-end -end accelerated solutions really optimizes across both compute, networking, and also with storage, enabling the most powerful and scalable data center uh, solutions that are out there. This includes areas such as our NVLink or NVSwitch, uh, our Magnum.io, um, and Affinivan. Um, this full stack of incorporating silicon systems and software to support this growing uh, diversity in applications and workloads is very key uh, to our overall strategic story. Now, we offer this in many different types of computing platforms. We offer right now HGX, DGX, DGX on superpods, as well as uh, completing uh, inferencing cards, as well as also GPU boards. So, we support each and every overall CPU that's overall in the industry as well uh, with an overall platform. We couldn't be more pleased uh, with uh, what we've built um, from both a systems, uh, from an overall performance perspective, and also the keys in terms of the programmability, the software, uh, the SDKs that we have to advance this overall market. We're in the early stages. We're in the early stages of AI and accelerated computing. Uh, so our growth um, has been um, great, uh, both sequentially as well as overall year over year. We don't have an outlook um, past uh, the quarter that we had just guided, and uh, we'll have to see how things go. Uh, but again, we feel we are just well positioned for the future at this time. Got, got it, got it, Claude, thanks. Um, uh, you, you had mentioned the the you know lines blurring now between training and inference now with Ampere, and you know we sort of used to talk about those two separately, and you used to give us some sense of what the relative size was of you know inference within data center, um, but the ROI now for the customer is huge, and you can you know offer both of those in the same instance, but you know also you still have T4 shipping, and you know demand for that's very strong too. So can you talk about whether A100 sort of um, you know begins to cannibalize T4? and how you've tried to capture this sort of in terms of pricing 
and maybe you know how much headroom you have. I think people don't probably you know a, appreciate how much you know pricing leverage that you have here. Uh, you know certainly with um, Ampere and the ROI that it you know has for the customer. So can you talk about how you price Ampere and you know not with numbers, but just you know how you think about it and whether or not that's going to cannibalize T4? You think? Sure. Um, in such a short amount of period of time, uh, just a, a couple of years, uh, we have reached where hundreds of customers are using NVIDIA's uh, platform for overall inferencing. For example, in Q3, we had record uh, T4 revenue and shipments. Yes, it is correct that the A100 um, platform is designed for both training and inferencing, which has been successful in providing those options for those cloud customers as they are in that buying stage to determine the long-term use of the platform and knowing that, that the ability to toggle back and forth between training and overall inferencing is there. Furthermore, we also extended our lead with MLPerf benchmarking results for inference. Uh, just this last round, the A100 beat the CPU by 30x versus only 6x last year against ResNet 50. Also, A100 outperformed uh, the CPU by, uh, gosh, over 200x on recommendator benchmarking uh, as well. Again, recommendators are just such an important part of overall inferencing workloads right now. Our Tensor RT is now in its seventh generation and already has more than a million, probably uh, 1.3 million uh, downloads at this time. So when we study the installed base of the GPU infrastructure in the cloud, what we can see across the seven largest public clouds that we are seeing inference capacity exceeding overall CPU capacity. So a great outcome in such a short amount of period of time. Uh, we look at A100 as continuing both the adoption of using GPUs for inferencing, but also giving them the flexibility of how they think about building out their accelerated platforms. So we'll continue uh, with our overall T4. A100 is just, again, a great performance for the expanding workloads, the size of the models, um, and the complexity of inferencing that we'll see in the years to come. Got it. So you, so you don't see, uh, you know, A100, um, at least to, you know, to this point, cannibalizing demand for T4? It's, it's um, not uh, engineered in that manner. It is really to help them uh, with uh, the complexity of uh, the types of workloads. T4 is a great overall card as well. The T4 easily uh, slots in uh, to server OEMs, standard over uh, OEM um, uh, configurations as well. So both of them are really important uh, for this market, and we'll see both of them uh, be uh, choices for our overall customers when they think about uh, their types of inferencing demand. Got it. Um, maybe we can double-click a little bit on just on just on technology. I, I, I don't want to get too deep, but something that I think is not getting a you know a lot of focus are some of what you're doing with the ARM architecture. Uh, you have the new you know Bluefield DPU that's obviously a you know ARM-based smart NIC, and you've been porting over your software stacks to the ARM ISA. Um, I guess given the claims of the new ARM Neoverse cores and how competitive they are with x86. There seems to be a lot of stuff you can do. Maybe even you can displace x86 as the host CPU 
for you know DGX or you know maybe you could do gaming on you know ARM-based PCs. I guess the big question here is is to you know some degree you're still sort of tied to a CPU which is x86 today, but there seems to be a lot of ways for you to capture that you know currently x86 you know revenue uh, you know going forward. So can you just talk? more broadly about ARM and sort of how you leverage ARM today and, and, and you know, what sort of opportunities that it opens up for you. Sure. So let me, let me first kind of um, uh, set the stage in terms of what we're doing uh, with our data center platforms. Uh, our data center platforms and uh, systems surely run the accelerated computing and AI workloads that are out there. But what we are also seeing is the emergence of how modern data centers are being built. Modern data centers continue to move toward disaggregating the CPU, the GPU, and the DPU. Our new DPU, better known as our data processing unit, will allow us to re-architect this overall modern data centers. Our DPUs are also included with our DOCA software, so we look at it as an opportunity to expand our TAN, probably about $10 billion for the overall uh, DPU and inclusion in terms of in our data center offerings. VMware's decision, for example, to port its ESXi uh, to our DPU is a major catalyst for adoption as well. This is a key area for the data centers that are working on uh, data security, uh, data encryption as it gets ready for that overall compute cycle. And the DPU is just well uh, positioned uh, to attract that need. So the interest is high. We continue to be working with major overall hyperscales and sampling of all uh, major OEMs. And this will likely uh, be a bigger play in uh, the overall years to come. But you're correct. It is incorporating um, an overall um, ARM um, a configuration in there, and we couldn't be more pleased as it is part of our newest overall launch of products together NVIDIA and Mellanox, one of our very first ones. So um, great work together in terms of building out this. Um, it shows just both the, the flexibility that we have of supporting each and every uh, types of infrastructures that are out there, each and every type of overall CPU that is out there, um, and um, will continue to be about as agnostic as possible in supporting accelerated computing as we go forward. Got it. And maybe that dovetails into ARM, I guess. Um, you know, from your perspective as the CFO, can you talk about what you think ARM would do for the company and for the financials? You know, going forward, if you sort of think about how, you know, how much of a game changer it is, and you know, and you know, what it would allow you to do, just from a just from a you know CFO seat. Yeah. So the ARM acquisition, um, we're extremely excited about. Uh, we were um, pleased uh, to be asked uh, to think about the purchase of ARM uh, from overall SoftBank. Uh, we believe um, together that this creates a important competing company. Uh, for the age of AI as we go forward. So first, just to understand what are the underlying thoughts about what we uh, can do together with overall um, ARM. It gives us the opportunity of combining what we have here at NVIDIA in terms of a leading AI computing platform and merging that with overall ARM's vast 
CPU ecosystem, an ecosystem that they have built over 30 years um, and tackle so many different problems with a amazing energy efficient CPU um, for so many different types of devices. This allows us to also expand IP licensing portfolio that ARM has with NVIDIA's technology to those large end markets, large markets including um, mobile and overall PCs. So essentially licensing NVIDIA's technology through their overall ecosystem. And then we also have the ability to infuse investment, infuse our overall ecosystem expertise into ARM's current um, work that they are doing in terms of a server CPU roadmap and speed up that pace um, that we believe will definitely be able to benefit both ARM and the overall customers. It will allow us to accelerate uh, the work that they are doing uh, to provide the CPUs for data center, for edge AI, as well as many overall IoT opportunities. It also expands um, the world of developers. As you know, so much of our computing platform lies in the hands of the developers that develop on our platform. We have about 2 million different developers, and we now get to merge with developers at ARM of over 15 million. So that's a great universe jointly thinking about uh, the computing platforms uh, going forward. Now, from a financial perspective, of course, uh, we're expecting uh, accretiveness, uh, both on our uh, non-GAAP gross margins, we're expecting accretiveness of our non-GAAP EPS as well as on closing. This is a great overall software licensing asset uh, to add to our uh, continued complex uh, revenue um, models that we have today. So we couldn't be more excited, uh, but we're going to wait as we're going through the overall regulatory process that we do think uh, from the overall signing to closing will probably take about 18 months. Thanks for that, Colette. Sometimes I get the question from investors when, when we're talking about ARM. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, a lot of different aspects to this, you know, to this deal that I think make, you know, tons of sense, but but the part about you licensing through their channel, I do get the question about, well, why would NVIDIA have to buy ARM to do that? Couldn't NVIDIA just, you know, open up the IP and start to, you know, license it on their own? Can you just talk about that? Sure. That is one piece of our overall uh, goals of the acquisition is to really uh, think about providing more to the existing customers, giving them more of an opportunity uh, to access some of the best overall GPU technology. Nothing changed from what they're already receiving, um, but again, adding more to um, that overall possibility. Now, that's just one piece of that. Uh, could there be a way um, from an overall partnership? Sure. But thinking about the other types of investments that we know they need um, in order to advance what they are doing in the data center. The data center is so complex in terms of how it has evolved um, over the last decade and really helping them understand our knowledge and our expertise of what we've both understood in the data center, uh, we believe will accelerate uh, a lot of the work that they are doing. That's not something that we can do um, uh, just as a partnership. I believe um, inserting both our investment, our expertise uh, can go hand in hand in terms of the work that they could do. There are, of course, 
um, a great partnership that we think will uh, continue. We will um, uh, continue during this regulatory time um, in terms of that partnership. But we are very excited to be joined together with them in the future. Got it, got it, thanks. Um, maybe we can move on a little bit. Uh, I mean, from a big picture, the company more than almost any other in tech, I think, has figured out how to integrate you know, hardware and software and create a very powerful ecosystem. I, I, I covered Apple for many, many years, and, it, and you know, really the, the most a, a, a applicable example seems to be Apple, really, to me anyway. Um, and I think a major step in that direction is your deal with Mercedes. Uh, and it seems like the back-end revenue opportunity in that deal is bigger even than the initial hardware sale. Can you sort of talk about that and how the Mercedes deal sort of, you know, catapults you and really cements this, you know, hardware-software integration story? Thanks. Yeah, a really uh, great opportunity for us. Mercedes has chosen NVIDIA for its autonomous vehicles. Um, Mercedes will um, launch a software-defined intelligent vehicles um, using all of our end-to-end -end NVIDIA technologies. So starting in 2024, every next generation um, Mercedes-Benz vehicle will include this software um, that will allow a um, fully powerful computer, system software, and applications that we build. Uh, differentiating them um, in this market from the traditional vehicles that we have seen. These vehicles will, one, become high performance, but also be updatable with its overall computing devices that it has. Uh, Mercedes vehicles will incorporate our Drive AGX Orin, uh, high performance energy efficient, uh, overall platform that we'll use with inside the cars, um, and we'll be using AI will make it possible to update this platform through the life of the vehicle. So centralizing and unifying all that computing in the car uh, will make it easier uh, for the updating and the advancement of those overall software features. But the great thing about this deal is not only is it a platform hardware uh, sale for us with Mercedes, we also have the ability to benefit from that software and those software upgrades. So as overall Mercedes uh, sells the software packages um, at the uh, initial sale of the car to the consumer, we will split that overall software uh, with NVIDIA uh, and Mercedes. Truly transformational in terms of how the car industry uh, is moving to adopt uh, these high-end types of platforms, and knowing that this software long-term will continue to give even after the car uh, has been purchased by uh, the customer. So we're excited. Uh, we know that um, a lot of others will likely look at this unique model and think about this unique model in terms of how they will bring autonomous vehicles to the market. Thanks a lot, Colette. Um, we have about five minutes left. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about healthcare because, uh, you know, that was a big part of the analyst day. You had a separate breakout for that. Uh, obviously, given what's going on with the you know global pandemic, there's a huge opportunity for vaccine development, things like that. Um, you know, here we are doing a you know virtual conference. Um, you know, we can't even leave our houses in you know California as of today. So you know, obviously, um, that's going to have huge implications in the government, you know, funding for drug development and, you know, therapeutics and treatments and things like that. 
So can you talk about sort of what you're doing there and especially how you're leveraging Clara and maybe, you know, how big that, that opportunity could be over time? Yeah, so thanks for the question. Healthcare is an important market opportunity for us. Yes, it's a large opportunity where AI and our expertise uh, can really help um, because there's a vast amount of data and needed solutions uh, for this industry. Outside of this large market opportunity though, we believe the global pandemic uh, has put more focus on finding medical solutions faster. So first, let me step back and um, clarify, what is Clara? Uh, Clara is our healthcare application framework for AI-powered images, genomics, and other development and deployment of smart sensors. Uh, Clara also includes a full stack of GPU-accelerated libraries, essentially SDKs, and reference applications uh, that the developers in the industry use. We celebrated our leadership with MLPER for medical imaging um, in inferencing. We are also helping radiologists label data in less time uh, with AI. And we are expanding Clara to digital pathology. As we recently announced the availability of the Clara AGX developer kit um, for the future, this is um, defining uh, software in many of these overall defined um, instruments. We've also developed and released COVID-19 pre-trained models, AI-assisted training and development to tools. So we put Clara for COVID essentially on a quick start, um, and we added um, a VM for every enterprise to try um, and ready for our overall EGX platform. Healthcare is important to us. Um, it's important um, maybe for a market opportunity, but I think more importantly, to be a key participant in something that is so important to the society worldwide, uh, we're happy to help in this area. Got it. And then I guess maybe just the last piece, Colette, we have like maybe two or so minutes left. Um, you talked about the $100 billion TAM at the annals day, and of course we all know the, the AI and the, the machine learning piece. But I was surprised at the $30 billion enterprise piece, and you know, you sort of talk about that as industries and really as they adopt AI. Can you sort of click on that really quickly and maybe talk about how big that is today and sort of what sort of you know, penetration you see in some of these large enterprise markets? Colette, are you there? Oops, so I think it actually muted me by accident. I'm back. Okay, um, <laughs> yes, at our, at our analyst day um, earlier this year, we announced a new data center TAM, uh, a new data center TAM that by 2024, we probably see an opportunity in front of us of $100 billion. A lot of things have um, been included um, and overall added. Uh, so the first thing was uh, we added uh, both our Mellanox uh, opportunity. We also added our AI edge. So when we break down that $100 billion um, opportunity, we see about $10 billion uh, still stemming from the high-performance computing. That's an important area for NVIDIA but also important uh, for Mellanox of many years together uh, working on those important platforms. 
the overall AI hyperscale opportunity is probably about 45 billion as of a component of the total. And our overall AI edge, edge computing, autonomous devices, um, autonomous uh, areas outside of the data centers are, is about a $15 billion opportunity. But yes, we believe our overall AI enterprise is about a $30 billion opportunity. Even today, we're seeing a strong showing of as we've moved um, both through Volta and now through our A100, this is giving a great opportunities for AI uh, to be a focus area of the enterprises and the industries. What we have done to fuel that adoption is continue with the overall software development, both the system software, the SDKs, and other key libraries and components to help each and every industry focus on bringing AI uh, to their work. You've seen us uh, talk about so many great customers over this period of time, uh, from retail, um, our discussion that we just had on healthcare, you'll see manufacturing, uh, you will see many different areas uh, focus on AI for their workloads. In this last Q3, we are seeing a great representage, nearly 50% of our revenue is focused on enterprises and industries. This is a top area from enterprises, even through this difficult time that we are all facing. Um, it, AI and accelerated computing is the future and a key area of where they're investing. Got it, Colette. Well, uh, we've run out of time, but um, thank you. Thank you for the time. It was great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Great to see you.